Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. Welcome inside the PGP, the Permission Granted Podcast, the show about the show, the show within the show. Every single week, we take you behind the scenes on the DA Show, which is available on this normal DA Show iTunes feed, or you might be listening on the PGP, Permission Granted has its own Apple podcast and podcast feed. So you can listen to this, to this either place if you want the entire DA show podcast feed or just the PGP. So Mraz joins me now. And today we had Jesse Armstead. His favorite team ever was the 2000 Giants. We've been interviewing and we will throughout the week a player off of our favorite team. Yesterday, Bogish had Mike Richter, who was between the pipes of the 94 Rangers and then the 2000 Giants was for Mraz, and Armstead was a crucial part of that team. Now, Mraz, were you nervous at all talking to Armstead, or have you been in this situation now interviewing players enough that it doesn't really bother you too much anymore? It wasn't nervous. I was more excited to interview Jesse Armstead. I kind of had that, that giddy. I tried to put myself in, I was 13 again, and let me interview myself as if I'm 13 and I'm watching the season all over again, because as I said, I've rewatched. But no, I mean, I've done enough spots now where I've interviewed a ton of people, and I know that kind of sounds maybe arrogant. It really doesn't mean it that way. I'm just, I'm really not nervous when it comes to interviews. I just get more excited uh, depending on who they are. Blah, blah, blah. Interview a pro bowler, interview an all pro, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no biggie. It's not, no, it is a big deal. I, but I just, I won't have the, I, I didn't have nerves. It wasn't nerves. It was just like, I can't wait to do this. It's going to be fun. Gotcha. Now, when you approached it, did you did you want to impress him with your questions? Did you want him to know how much you loved it? Like, how did you approach it? Because there's multiple ways to approach having to interview a guy that's on your favorite team. So you went over this with Bogus the day before, and I actually give Bogus a lot of credit because Pete the Body now is doing one, Connor Green will be doing one, you're doing one. And this is a new segment for all of us. And Bogus, by being the first one in, I kind of wanted to 
see how it went with Bogish and kind of get your thoughts on how Bogish went. And you really wanted to sell this like, hey, remember, you guys are fans. This meant most important you interview it that way. So I kind of took it from that. I don't think at any point I was trying to impress Jesse Armstead. Like, Jesse Armstead knows more football and knows more about that season than I would ever know anyway, despite being a fan. I think I just wanted to approach it where there were certain things that stood out to me from that year that I wanted to ask a player from that team and get an answer on. And then also there, like, I, it can't be me without having some fun with it as well. So I, I still laugh to this day about Jason T. Ormond's pants falling down. I still laugh about Jim Fossil with the chips to the center of the table. But I honestly were, you know, was wondering about the motivation behind that. So I, there was not a pressing going on. It was more like, I'm going to have fun. And these are questions that I legitimately want to hear answered. Yeah, I think that's a good way to approach it. I think about the Chris Farley show or... Galifianakis in between two ferns when you're interviewing somebody that you idolize and you're almost fawning over them that's that's kind of entertaining you know it's like remember when this happened remember when this happened and right. I, I I like that aspect and I wanted that to come through because this is about the team that meant the most of us it shouldn't just be kind of a detached unemotional tell us what happened in this series so I like I like that you guys did it that way I'm wondering when you heard Richter, because I know that you love that Rangers team as well. You were a little young in 94, but still the Rangers mean so much to you. Were you a little fanboyish over having Richter on the show and hearing Bogish interview him? There was actually, that was the first moment. I didn't think it was going to feel this way. The moment I heard Richter and Bogish tossed him and started asking questions, I became immediately jealous of Andrew Bogish. I did. So I have never personally talked to anybody or interviewed anybody from the 94 Rangers. I've met Messier before, and that was cool. But... Knowing that I was coming up with Jesse Armstead, who I was looking forward to, but then hearing Bogus talk to Richter, it was almost like, wow, I wish there was a way where I could do 15 of these this week, and I would love to step in with the 94 Rangers too. So I was definitely jealous of Bogus. And especially if, on Wednesday's show, and Bogus talks about you know Richter's phone calling him back and stuff like that, yeah. and I kind of was like, damn, damn it, damn it. If if baseball can't figure this out and NBA doesn't come back, we might keep doing 15 of these per person, so hey, fear not. <laughs> I got plenty of the. Let's get the 2001 Nets on the horn. Let's go. Now, I think people are going to be surprised by my pick tomorrow. I think most people know me as a, a Mets fanboy, but they now I've talked about the team that I'm going to highlight. I've talked about this on the air, that as a young 10-year-old DA, that this team really tickled my imagination, but... I would imagine a lot of people will be very surprised at who I picked, don't you think? I was definitely surprised by who you picked. Uh, I'm looking forward to your interview as well. I think it's going to tap into a certain base. Something just came flying down my stairs. I don't know if you heard that. but I did. That. What happened? Uh, Eli throwing something? I think so. It's definitely one of the baby's toys. So I don't know if Eli just chucked it down the stairs, but I'm sorry okay. for distracting me. Okay. But anyway, yes, I'm very surprised, but I'm excited. Uh, I don't want to give away the sports, give away any hints, but I th- I'm, I'm looking forward to yours as well. And I think it's going to tap into, I think, a slightly different uh, generation and era than the ones maybe Bogus tapped into or I tapped into. They're all kind of separated by chunks of years. I like the minutia part of this as well. I like, you know, a lot of people remember Jim Fossil's push the chips to the middle of the table. If you're in, you're in. If you're out, you're out. A lot of people don't remember Jason Seahorn's pants falling down in the middle of the 2000 season unless you were a Giants fan. I like a question like that. I like Bogish talking about, I had forgotten the Rangers were up 3-1 in the finals and lost game five at home and game six on the road in Vancouver. I like hearing... that little minutia coming from these guys. So I think that's really part of the magic of it. Yeah, and I think that was part of the magic of the last dance, right? What this kind of spins off of is the nostalgia of looking back is 
well, you forget that Dennis Rodman left the team for a week to go yeah. to Vegas. So yeah. the, the fact remains, the, we're all sports fans. If you're listeners to this podcast of the DA Show, you're a sports fan. And there's only so much, right, that we could retain, especially if it's not your personal favorite team growing up. There are moments all over sports that we forgot about. It's Heck, it's why we do Forgotten Classics with the announcers that we're doing right now and that we've really taken a time – uh, during this pandemic to kind of tackle a lot of these issues. So, yeah, when doing these moments, there are going to be teams that you remember because I think most, if not all, these teams, you know, it's not like we're doing 2-14 and 14 football teams here. We're doing pretty good teams, and you're going to look back and go, oh, wow, I either didn't realize that from that team or I didn't remember that from that team. And I think that is really cool. I'm excited to hear how Bilotti interviews a player off of his team. We've never heard Pete the Body do an interview. We've heard him do the WrestleMania preview and recap podcast, but never a true interview. So a true story. I think we can peel back the curtain. I have no problem. Pete has taped his. Pete did tape his on Tuesday. But the reason I bring this up, and I don't want to blow up the fact that Pete had to record, it just worked out you know, with the timing of his, is that he did it in the studio in the chair that you would normally sit in because he's back in the studio. And Kaplan has had the cameras going. <laughs> and yesterday afternoon, we got a little text from Kaplan, and it is a picture of Pete. And I think we could put this out once Pete's interview gets played. And I don't know if, if, if you got this feeling – Pete looks like angry to be doing the interview, which is so, it's so Pete, right? Like Pete has this great form, this great opportunity. He's getting to, you know, geek out on his favorite team of all time. And he couldn't look more like he didn't want to be there in the world. He looks all business. I'm hoping that this is just the focus, focus part of the interview. But that's a little Easter egg. When we get to Pete's interview at some point this week or next week, we will have to get that picture out. It was a great screen grab by Cap. So on to Ladybugs. I know you guys will break down Ladybugs more in full as a movie coming up on Side B, you and Bogues. Yes, not more of the sports stuff, more of the actual movie stuff, right. which is where I get Bogus clear the path and let Bogus be his movie yeah, critic. Because he wants to be, yeah, he wants to be the movie critic. And meantime, <laughs> we're trying to break down the sporting angles of all of this exactly. on the air, and we have to remind him of that every single week. Yeah, but I'm glad that he's going to do that on the PGP coming up on side B. I I had one last sports angle on this movie that I wanted to get to that we didn't get to after Good. the Ladybugs win the championship and beat the Flames. We have everything turns out well. You know, Matthew didn't end up playing as Martha, so they didn't have to fraudulently win. Each of the girls found the best part of themselves. The fiance of Roddy Dangerfield feels great. She comes to watch the the game. She's happy with him, proud of him. One big happy family. Ultimately, we imagine they get married. He actually gets the promotion. His boss is happy with him. He moves up in the company, and so everything is great after that. And then they have the the scene at the end where he's now coaching the industries, the Mullen Industries corporate peewee baseball team, and he's got all these ball team. All all these boys are on the bus. <laughs> yeah. They're they're all in baseball uniforms, and they all get off the bus and they're ready for their game, and they all immediately throw on wigs and. <laughs> you see the side of the bus that says Mullen Industries softball team. So, of course, the gag there is they didn't learn their lesson. Roddy Dangerfield is now coaching a team's worth of boys that are pretending to be girls in the softball league. And my question is, (laughs) (laughs) knowing the type of scrutiny that Mullen Industries has as 
as a dominant soccer program, how is it possible now the entire team in a league of girls is not having their IDs or birth certificates checked via a Mullen Industries team? How is it possible that there's like 15 boys dressing up as girls and nobody notices? It's very key and critical and obvious at this point that if you're playing youth sports in Colorado, no birth certificates ever needed, <laughs> ever needed. And and frankly, what I find more disturbing about that, D.A., is how okay Mr. Mullen is with this. So now at the end of the championship game with the Flames, he comes <laughs> yeah, over yeah. and he goes, you know, there's a rumor you were uh, playing. He goes, that's genius. And, yeah. and by the way. There's a rumor. It doesn't even mention that, oh, yeah, obviously you think it's Martha. Like, it's not any of the other players at this point. And then makes it a point to make sure that he's managing the softball team. Oh, by the way, you presume he's married at this point. Didn't his fiance have a major issue with him doing this? Now she thinks it's okay for him to hop on a bus and do this, like, with the softball yeah, right, team? Right. It makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> How is Mr. Mullen just, like, fine with this? And, by the way, if Mr. Mullen is hearing the rumor that this was going on, didn't the rest of the league hear it? I mean, shouldn't he even be stripped from the championship game appearance, period? So, all of that is so true, and I really enjoyed this movie. Now, I'm a big Roddy Dangerfield fan, so that, I had a hook there anyway, but I thought, I thought the acting aside from Jack Kay was relatively good. Terrible. And... I thought that, well, you thought Jack Kay was terrible, but everybody else's acting was fine. Yeah, and, I mean, Dangerfield wasn't that good in it. Well, I, I just love Dangerfield's one-liners, and yeah. every scene is set up for yeah. somebody to ask Rodney something, and Rodney answers with a Dangerfield stand-up one-liner. That's exactly what it was. It was Dangerfield doing stand-up for an hour and a half, but you know, some of them worked, some of them didn't. Uh, I mean, it was, look, if you look at the movie from that point of view, right? Like, Bogus is going to tackle his problems with it. I, I, did, I liked it when I was younger. I guess I didn't love it as much the second time around, but I also didn't necessarily <laughs> hate it. The movie you have to look at is just, it's Rodney Dangerfield doing setup with the backdrop being a really sexually harassment version of female soccer. Like, well, that is so, what it comes down to. So the next question is, can this film ever be made today? No, absolutely not. There's no, no way. Um and and probably I guess for the best. Look, people people can laugh at, at crude stuff. I don't, I have no issue with that. I'm sure I laugh at stuff that would be inappropriate uh, all the time. I mean, that's part of stand up comedy and all of that is like you just like it's a way to laugh at stupid stuff. But there is so much here that's like creepy to an extent with Rodney Dangerfield, <laughs> where you question whether Dangerfield can do another gig after doing this movie. It is uh, it is something. It is this movie. I think that would be the label if you watch it. Does a twenty? It's something. It really is. Yeah, because there's a lot of gender jokes that you really couldn't make anymore. This, of course, the whole premise is based on a boy is more athletic and more dominant than girls, so you you hijack a boy yeah. to dominate the girls' sports. I don't think you could really get away with that as a theme anymore. Right. There, there is a, a moment at the end of the movie that I actually thought was fairly progressive for 1992, and that is when they don't need Matthew slash Martha and Rodney Dangerfield gives this speech, you know, that you girls are good enough. You don't need a boy to win. Burn your bras. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, this, this, this message could work today in 2020. But, man, yeah, 30 years ago, there's a lot of stuff you could joke about with sexual harassment and girls and boys and... Wow. 
you know, that type of stuff. About, jokes about choose ethnicity. Yeah, there's ethnic, there's ethnic jokes. There's just a lot you couldn't get away with. Another thought of mine was Rodney Dangerfield is part of two American cinematic classics. He is in Caddyshack and Back to School. And both of those are beloved comedies. Yeah. Nobody ever criticizes those. There's nothing to criticize. Those are brilliantly funny 80s comedies. And then Ladybugs. I really don't think he was the lead or a major character in any other film. I'm looking over his IMDb page. It says that he was in something called Easy Money. I don't remember this film. Maybe I should. I don't remember him. He's the lead in Easy Money in 1983. So I don't know that film. But other than that, he is not the lead in anything or a major character. I guess he's in Meet Wally Sparks. I, oh, again, I forgot about that movie, too. <laughs> I don't remember Meet Wally Sparks. This happens after Ladybugs. So <laughs> I think I, I need to watch that. a few. Do you remember Meet Wally Sparks? Uh, vaguely. I definitely saw that movie when I was younger, and I think I loved it, too. Okay. I don't even know what the premise is, but like you said that, I just had, I pictured drinking an Ecto Cooler and watching it. It totally just jarred me back. But he, is in, he is in Little Nicky as Lucifer. Oh, wow. I don't think I realized <laughs> I don't that. Remember. But the, I think a tweeter tweeted this in, and I buy it. He's almost 70 years old in Ladybugs, and this is in 1992. <laughs> so if his first movie is 10 years earlier and he's 62, I mean, it's a late start on Dangerfield's career. It really is. It's and that's probably really... why. It's a really late start. You're right. It's Well, he had been doing so many stand-up acts and comedy specials and late night. I mean, he was one of Johnny Carson's favorite you know, guests to have on. So throughout the 70s, 60s and 70s, he's basically doing TV specials, stand-up specials, and things like that. So he's not doing movies. But it's a late start for the great Roddy Dagerfield, isn't it? It is. And I, I had one more sports point to bring up, actually, on Lee Folks, yeah. which I wanted to get to. Um, Martha slash Matthew is credited DA with a complete turnaround after her first game, his first game, where now the ultimate teammate, right, the leader, taking everybody under his wing, going to show them the way. Why is it that we gloss over the fact when it happens twice, it happens with Kim late the game before the championship game, and it might happen with Pester, where they want to, Rodney Dangerfield is either ordered to or has to replace the player with somebody on the bench, and Martha makes the case, no, that's ridiculous. Why are we doing this? And is angry about it. This person doesn't deserve to get taken out. And it's like seen as like a heroic moment. Like, good for you for standing up to that person. But why are we not acknowledging Martha slash Matthew is actually a really crummy teammate because he's basically dumping all over whoever the replacement is going to be mm. over the bench that they're not good mm-hmm. enough to come in. So mm. just because we don't get the backstory, the storyline, and whoever's coming off the bench there, mm-hmm. I mean, in essence, we're supposed to be youth sports. Everybody should be getting a chance to play. Why is it so horrific that that bench warmer can't get a chance to play? That's a fair point. So you actually consider Martha to be a bad teammate in this instance? Yeah, I think Hart's in the right spot. And maybe the, the storyline kind of pins you that way. But in essence, what Martha's telling you is whoever's coming off the bench isn't good enough to get any time. So either way, you know, somebody's got to be on the bench. It's not <laughs> fair that this other person could be on the bench and not Kim or Pester or whoever. And I, I thought that's very unfair, and I think that's not a hero. That's actually a bad teammate. Get How about you come off the field, Martha? All I know is this. In doing this long enough as we've done, I think this is our ninth movie maybe. I wanted to go back and write them all down based on date. Well, I actually have these. 
this saved on my phone. So let me check this right now. I don't know if this matters. If you're telling me blue else. chips was eight weeks ago, I'm going to lose my mind. Was it that long ago? Well, how long has pandemic been going on? How long is quarantine? I don't know. 15 months. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I probably, it was this, it was Talladega Nights. It was Okay, count, count this, okay? Okay. Blue chips. He got game. Rookie of the year. Happy Gilmore. Draft day. Major League, D2, now Ladybugs. That's eight of them. Okay, so two months. Wow. So It's been like five weeks since Happy Gilmore? What happened? Eight films that we've done. I can tell you, to me, the bread and butter, the wheelhouse is ridiculous pseudo-kid comedy. Okay, yeah. because the best ones have been Rookie of the Year, Mighty Ducks, and this. I thought Ladybug set up perfectly to break I, down the sports angle of it. Okay, I think that's fair. I definitely think Rookie of the Year and Mighty Ducks have been the best, although we had a lot of fun with Major League Two as well. We've had fun with all of them. Oh, yeah, Major League Two, true. Happy Gilmore's tour. I think we're due again for another... I love criticizing managers. I think we might be due for another one of these baseball movies here. I'm and in. I, I think we've talked about Angels in the Outfields pretty good. Um, and if we go down the baseball route again, I'm, I'm really going to push the envelope for this one. And it's not pseudo-kid comedy, so maybe it doesn't fit what we're looking for. But I know that this has a lot of baseball that is going to be funny to break down. Mr. 3000, I think we're still oh, on as well. Oh, interesting. With Bernie Mac coming back three hits shy of 3000 to come out of retirement. <laughs> um, I think is an, I think Angels in the Outfield and Mr. 3000 are two that I think we will absolutely own as far as decisions and baseball strategy and all of that. Now, I think a really crucial one to play and to do at some point baseball-wise is is Ed, right? And that is <laughs> that's Matthew friends. LeBlanc and the monkey that plays baseball on the team. <laughs> I think now there's been some speculation on this on the internet. Because nobody's ever gone back to rewatch this movie. Does the monkey play baseball or is the monkey a mascot? That we have to. <laughs> There's been some differing opinions on that. Okay, okay this is remember. a really good question. Let me pull this up on IMDb and see what the, the tagline is of this. Okay. Oh, because I, I also am going to push hard for maybe the week of the NBA Finals when it would have been to get Air Bud in here. Wow. Airbud would be excellent. I, I'm very curious about this as far and Airbud, by the way, played golden receiver. There was multiple Airbud. <laughs> right, that's right. A football player. Okay, now I've got an answer for you on Ed. Okay. Nineteen ninety six film starring Matt LeBlanc. A trained chimpanzee plays third base for a minor league baseball team. <laughs> Come on. There's no way he's got the arm to get it over there. <laughs> the hot corner. You gotta have Ed at the hot corner. Come on. What, how bad a gimmick was this? All right, so Ed, look, Ed's in our real house. We've thought about Kazam as well. <laughs> we do have to do Kazam simply because Shaq Ca- said we can. So we Yeah, cautioned us never to do it. Scolded so we, us. We have to do Kazam. Wow, there's, it's amazing, DA, because I know a lot of people have really you know, said we need to keep this segment going even when sports come back. You start to realize we got probably could rattle off in the next 10 seconds, 30 movies we still have yep. to do. I yep. mean, we could get to a full year of doing this, no problem. So the only thing that, that I would hesitate in continuing to do this, because I love this segment, and, you know, even when we do, even when we do a regular game breakdown, for 
everybody on the show to have a passionate viewpoint about something in a game is hard. Right. But in these movies, everybody sits down and watches the movies, and everybody has a really strong take on the movies. So it just works from a focus standpoint. Now, my only hesitation is this has spilled into doing two full segments and most of the PGP. And let's just say that sports come back in August or July, and we're talking about the NBA playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball returning, and football around the corner. We just can't afford to dedicate two full segments every week and the PGP to a movie. So I think what has to happen here, DA, to me it's obvious, is that (laughs) we should be doing this as a benchmark of something to look forward to as far as we should be doing it for three weeks in February after the Super Bowl before we get to the first Mm. week of March. And then we should bring it back for three weeks in July. Like, this should be a no-brainer the week of the MLB All-Star Game. And those Mm -hmm. couple weeks of July, after the NBA Finals have cleared out, kind of before baseball's trade deadline and training camp opens, and they could be benchmarkers. And then what we could do at that time is kind of hype up that we're bringing back Mothership at the movies and get listeners behind it. Hey, here's the all-time DA show movie list, the ones we did. And have the listeners vote on what we should be watching. Like, give, yeah. we, you know, we come up with the candidates. Hey, we're going to have three movies in February. Here's a list of eight. Let's go. Top three you pick. What do yeah. the listeners want to hear bro- broke up? And then now that gives us in those couple dead parts, which I don't know how anybody could call, call anything a dead period in sports again after what we've done for the last <laughs> three months. But conceivably, let's say the world is normal again and we have the normal February, July rudders of sports radio. That is now something for our listeners to look forward to. Yes, Mothership at the Movies is coming back, yeah. and they can be involved in voting on what we should be watching. That's a good idea. It's a good idea, unless we just throw caution to the wind now and be like, okay, we're, we're going to review Ed, but, <laughs> I mean, there's Ed and there's Eddie, okay, where Whoopi Goldberg coaches the Knicks, That's which a good point needs too. a breakdown as well. I mean, it obviously, <laughs> and three Air Buds, as you mentioned. <laughs> So it, it begs the question, do we do this, but do we tighten it up and it's just one segment a week? So, it just feels like there's not enough time I, to do yeah, one segment. I personally am in the camp, and we're really having a show meeting here. It's the <laughs> microphones are on, but this would be a normal conversation ever. I am in the camp of I would rather not do it all than rush it and not do it justice. Okay. I, I really believe that. Because, yeah, just think about it. Today we break – you know, things happen in a show. Let's say we set it up. 7.40 a.m. On, on every Wednesday, we're going to do Mothership at the Movies. But something runs long, a bogus update runs long. Now we have six minutes to get in, but then we have other stuff happening during football mm. season. We're going to rush a league of their own into six minutes. I don't think it would do it justice. So yeah. I think I would rather do it seven weeks of the year when, when there's nothing truly going on that we have to and give it its proper spacing for what okay. we've really built here yeah. than just throw something against the wall. Because <laughs> there might be a really good movie that like we end up rushing through that, we again, we didn't do it justice. But maybe there's a movie True. that would have been fine. So, again, I would rather not do it at all and save it for those dead weeks than rush it through and, and congest it down to one second. Here's what's amazing. If we ended up doing this for a full year once a week, we would review 50 to 52 sports films. That's unbelievable. That would be a really big catalog. Yeah, of, of the amount we've done. But it's totally possible. I mean, I think we just ripped off enough to get us through to September. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And on, you know what I kind of like about it? It's kind of like our own little book club, you know? Yeah, it's that's like a good every, way to put it. You know, we're all watching games and stuff, but we just do it as fans anyway. It's kind of like 
either you've never seen the movie before, you saw it recently, or you haven't seen it in a long time, yeah. and it's kind of like, all right, we're not watching together either. We're not even really texting each other while we're all watching it together. You know, we might have a little thought. Somebody might have one after they watch it, but it's kind of like a, you know, we all going to gather at the end of the week and have our notes. And look, and this is the truth. When you kick off that segment, I don't know where you're going with it. You don't know where I'm going with it. We don't know where Bogus is going with it. We all have our notes, and wherever the path takes us, we're going to chime in. It's true. It's much like a book club. It really is. It's the best book club I could have ever joined. It certainly helped my mental health. Because I'm a UDA now. I, I've had every Sunday last dance, and I know every Monday or Tuesday i got a movie to watch. So, like, I know. these are the mental clickers that go off in my head. It's like, okay, yeah, movie day. What am I watching today? Every Tuesday night I sit down before, you know, I go to bed to watch The Mothership at the Movies. And so last night the Bourbon Bell's like, oh, right, tonight's movie night. What are you guys watching? You know, it's like she knows. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I want to watch Ladybugs. Yeah, I heard you guys talking about that on the show. So you're right. It's just a benchmark of the week now. I love it. I love it. Get me to next week, and obviously we have 44 candidates to pine through. On side B, Bogus has some real problems with the filmmaking of this <laughs> <laughs> and the script of Ladybugs. So we're going to wind them up and let them go. Coming up here next. All right, welcome to Side B of the PGP. This is Mraz, host of Side B and the executive producer of the DA Show, joined by Andrew Bogish. Bogish, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm doing very well. And is Connor joining us again this week, or is that a one-time, a one-time that, thing? That is a one-time thing. We have uh, on the day we are taping this. There's a Billy Jockalone helping us out. There's a Pete the Body Bilotti, who I think Bogish, uh, as we are taping this, I have discovered a new nickname for Pete. Past the okay. Body. Let me run it by you. I think we should be calling him the sergeant, all right, mm. because we has, must follow the sergeant's orders. We are, for those to peel back the curtain, taping this at approximately 5.30 a.m. Eastern time. We usually tape this post-show. We are taping a pre-show because we have some stuff going on at the studio, and Pete has come up with this idea, and we were, uh, we were hit early and often with the text messages yeah. on a Wednesday morning to get this in. Your thoughts, Bogan? Um, It's not a bad idea. It's, um, it's, it's probably not. one that could have been voiced last night, you know, so we were prepared to wake up to this. and That would be my issue as well. Right. Um, and then maybe, you know, maybe it only crossed Pete's mind this morning, so maybe it wasn't an oversight. It just was kind of a natural thought, and out went the text. Um, but, you know, I, I've got some pre-show responsibilities. You you do as well. So, like, fitting in 15 minutes of this is a little bit of a complication. So, like, pre-planning would have been good. Um, but I But I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I agree. So at, the, the funny thing is, I would prefer taping stuff pre-show because I feel like, you know, once the show's over, it's nice to just kind of mentally shut down and not have to keep it geared up. But, uh, yeah, certainly waking up, and I, did, I hated to get too graphic with you guys. I had a little bit of a stomach issue on a uh, Wednesday morning, yeah, and I wasn't exactly running to my headset. But, nonetheless, here we are. Now, it is a mothership at the movies Wednesday, Bogish, and... You know, last week when we had Connor on for the three-way roundtable, we had done that on a Tuesday, so we couldn't recap like we normally would the spillover of Talladega Nights, but here we are with a little spillover of Ladybugs. And as I always like to ask you after these movies, taking the sports aspect and all the stuff that we would break down on the show out of it, what is your biggest egregious problem with the realism of the movie Ladybugs? Uh, I... I... Sean, I don't even know where to begin. I, <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I, I think this is one of the worst movies I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, to answer your question, I don't necessarily know what's good about it. I, I might have laughed like two or three times. Okay. Um, 
and then you sprinkle in like um I don't know, like the sexism and the racial insensitivity yeah. and the really off-putting, like, um, like the attempts to be funny about like possible like, um, like child molestation. I mean, it was just weird. I, I don't know. I just didn't. I didn't get it. I didn't get Rodney Dangerfield. I didn't get Jack A. I mean, none of it really made sense. And like the whole time that Sweet Martha is running around the soccer field, talking in her boy's voice, like no, no one's like, hey. You're not a girl, so I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't work for me on, on, on any level. <laughs> okay, so I hadn't seen this movie. It had to have been ten years, if not fifteen years. I'd venture to guess I probably saw this movie as a teenager, and I bet you a lot of the jokes went over my head at the time. Right. And and like I kind of grew up in this era in the '90s, and Bogus, not too much older than me, where like Rodney Dangerfield was thought of as this like great hysterical comedian. And I don't know now, looking back, if I laughed at Rodney Dangerfield because I felt I was supposed to. Right. Because I kind of was in the same boat as you. There were. Definitely times where I laughed. I probably laughed more times than you at Ladybugs, but at the same time, I I'm not going to lie. The thought crossed my mind, and I am somebody who could basically laugh at any crude humor going, there's no way Ladybugs gets greenlit to be made in 2020. There's no possible way of all of all the movies we had. I mean, as you mentioned, there are so many boundaries that it crosses, but you know, you live with those boundaries if you're slapping your knees the whole time, kind of like you would for a stand-up comic, laughing. And I have a feeling that Dangerfield was not as funny as he could have been in Ladybugs because Jack Hay was so bad, and he basically had to put her over his shoulder and carry her. Um, I mean, if you want to give him that benefit of the doubt, you can. But, like, the whole time I'm sitting there watching this, I'm like, um, this is why you don't get any respect because this movie's <laughs> not not funny. And, like, I, I, it's like I'm okay with... You know, like everyone's got different tastes, and I'm I'm sure there are better ways to appreciate Rodney Dangerfield's comedy, and of course there are. You know, this is maybe maybe even he wouldn't present this as proof of of him being hilarious. But I mean, like the pro my as the the movie went on, like my biggest frustration was it was you know it's clearly a vehicle for him to do stand up almost, and like right. Like, one funny line was funny, but then they were followed by three or four more these one-line zingers, which is his thing. I get it. But they were just, like, exhausting at times, and they got, like, progressively less funny and just being repetitive in general. It just – it wasn't entertaining to me at all. Like, I was going to – I texted the group. I was like, I'm going to turn this off in protest. <laughs> and I'm mad at whoever suggested we should watch this because, because it was it was junk. Right, like when he has the old woman walk into the men's bathroom because he's blocking the woo and woman. Right. Oh, probably seen nothing, something she's never seen before. Right, it's exactly. Like, oh, okay, Rodney, thank you very much for participating. So now if we actually go to so the, the thing that you're really good at, and as you said, you couldn't start uh, with this, is, you know, when we take the sports aspect of it, you kind of pre present the, uh, is it it's Siskel and Ebert are the movie guys, not the Tiger guys, right? That's correct, yeah. Okay, that's Siegfried and Roy. Who there you go. Just, one just tragically passed away. Am I correct? There? You the are correct. Couple. Okay, so, and again, I know that. This is me waking up for Sergeant Pete here right. to get this done. So you were like the Siegfried and Roy. So I want to just throw a couple things at you that bothered me from just a strictly making the movie that made no sense perspective. <laughs> By the way, okay? you just got Cisco and Ebert, right? And then called me Siegfried and Roy. Did I? <laughs> yes. See? I'm all over the map. <laughs> so you mentioned Martha talking like the boy and like, oh, nobody notices. So here's my tie-in problem with the movie that doesn't make any sense. Number one, it seems very evident early on that the girls, or at least the Mullen daughter, Kim Mullen, 
is going to the same school as Matthew. Now, maybe she doesn't notice Matthew, and that's all fun and plenty. You mean to tell me that nobody else on this team goes to the school and in all the weeks that they're playing these soccer games happens to run into Matthew in the hall and go, hmm, that's funny, he looks exactly like Martha. Or, or when he's talking, in, I mean, the, there's so many game clips where he's like, I'm passing it to you, Chew. You know, it's coming to you. Like, he's, he's not right. talking like Martha. And, I mean, the two of these two idiots went to a store and bought a wig at the mall. I mean, that wig's not staying on while he's running around sweating playing soccer. God forbid somebody, like, bangs him in the head going for a header or something. That thing comes off. It's just, it's not feasible in any what? way. Plus, like... You need, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking because I've lived it. Like you've got to show like a birth certificate for some of these things. Sometimes, like these guys, there's no paper trail on who Martha is to get Martha cleared to play on this ladybugs operation. Okay, so I, that's a great point. And I guess the number two point to that would be why, when Kim Mullen goes over to Chester's house and stuff, is is it not questioned why Martha suddenly turns into a girl's voice? Like, all Kim right. has heard Martha talk is that. So if the bit in the wink-wink was, we're going to really pull one over on you, and all you're going to get is her in a wig, and of course it's going to be ridiculous. I actually can live with that movie premise because we understand it's a ridiculous premise to begin with. But then Martha's got to commit and still talk like she does in the field when Kim Mullen comes over, no? Right, and, and even when she goes to the house, she goes, you know, someone told me where you lived. Like, did they, did they not know that that was Matthew's house? Like, I, there was just... There's a lot of liberties with the actual like cover-up going on here. Like, right. oh yeah, she lives in Matthew's basement. Well, isn't she Matthew? I mean, it was just it was so it was so bizarre. But I think the hope when you make movies like this is that people like us don't think critically about it. <laughs> they just go along <laughs> for the ride. <laughs> so we're messing up the operation. Okay, so if you had to go back in time when DA picks a soccer movie, would you have not picked Ladybugs? I would have quit the show to be honest. Uh, just to, <laughs> to be. A- to be out of it all together. But I don't I mean I don't know a better soccer movie. I mean like Bend It Like Beckham is too I think too serious for what we're trying to Yeah. To get I watched done here. I watched I watched The Big Green probably right before quarantine. Now, if you're asking me why the hell I was watching The Big Green, I remember The Big Green when I was younger as a kid. Um and I played soccer myself and I, I remember like having fond memories of it, and I happened to see it was on HBO Go, and I actually threw it on in three pieces while doing cardio at the gym, so I watched it over the course of three days. So, to be fair, I didn't think there was actually enough soccer to break down in the big green. Believe it or not, I think there was more soccer to break down in Ladybug, so I'm glad we didn't go that route, but I would agree, I don't know where else we could have gone here. So I'm, I'm okay with the choice. Look, not every movie we hit is going to be a home run as far as the actual movie goes, Um that being said, you were not a big fan of He Got Game. I really wasn't either. But I think I know your answer here. Was Ladybugs, just from a strictly movie perspective, the worst movie we've watched so far? Oh, yes. I mean, he, he the, my problem with He Got Game was uh, they maybe more like meeting expectations. And like, because right. everyone thinks it's so great. And it, and it was fine. There were things that were annoying in it. Like, But this was just, this was just a bad movie. Like, Mighty Ducks 2 made me angry because it was so... There were just so many impossibilities, and like I thought they like you know they made a mockery of the game, not to sound all hoity-toity, <laughs> but like you know with the lassoing teammates and you know, opponents, like that was all nonsense. Like this was just it wasn't funny, it wasn't a good idea, it was like made poorly. Like that that one scene where Martha calls him on the car phone, and like he twice like swerves off the road because he's so shocked by the call. Like it was so edited terribly and put together terribly. <laughs> like it was just it was just. Bad. It was just a bad, bad movie. Yeah, so I'm with you, but I bet you we're on opposite ends of this. 
I thought the same thing as you. Now, I thought the intro was a little funnier than you're giving him credit for, although there were definitely times where I stared blankly at the screen going, wow, he bombed. And I really had issues with Jack K, which DA and I will have gotten into here. But yeah, but you're biased on this, so. I, I might be, but I'm telling you, I found him very uncomfortable. I guess my, my thing would be, are you more prone now, because of everything we knew or thought of Rodney Dangerfield, to maybe go to YouTube and watch a Dangerfield stand-up or another Dangerfield movie just to give him the benefit of the doubt and see Ladybugs was his worst work? Yeah, I got to I gotta balance this out. I got to balance that. And, okay. and I'm not going to, like, you know, it's not like we're, like, we're going to start, like, disparaging his entire career. Um, I just think that Ladybugs was a disaster for, for basically everybody involved, and I'm not going to hold it against any of them. I agree. So I, it's funny. I am more prone. I thought you were going to go the opposite and say, no, Dangerfield's dead to me. I am more prone now. I, at some point this week, I will be going to YouTube to watch some kind of Dangerfield stand-up and just cleanse my brain because I always grew up in a world where Dangerfield was supposed to be one of the funniest men on earth. Right. Uh, and now I do not have that opinion of him after Ladybugs. Yeah, I mean, look, there's always Caddyshack, and the stand-up is the stand-up is is it's great. Um, but like, it's also okay that if it's just not funny to us, I and mean, that's how stand-up comedy works. Like, some people you think right. are funny, others aren't, and they're just they're not for you. And maybe you and I are not the target audience for for Mr. Dangerfield. All right. Well, I hope this fulfilled Sergeant Pete's request enough, and I hope we were awake enough, and I hope this creates a better Wednesday DA show to have my voice really going, and I don't go NBA Finals. Well, if we lose that, then we're not pre-taping anymore. Right. So that's more important. That's a great point. You can follow Andrew Bogish. At Andrew Bogish. And you can follow me at Mraz CBS. Have a great week, everyone. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.